0: Welcome to Inside Out Leadership. I'm your host, Rob Holman. I am so thrilled that you took time out of your busy schedule to spend with me to talk about, to engage in, to learn how to become a much more effective leader, not from the outside trying to get in, but more from the inside so it works itself out. Now, we all know this, that for years now, there's been a major employee engagement problem. In other words, Not just employees and team members, but the leaders that lead those team members are disengaged. There's lack of meaningful purpose and passion infused into what they do day in and day out. Now, a lot of leaders know that there's a major problem and they're putting a lot of money to try to solve that problem. It's reaping some decent rewards, but more in the short term, not with the long term vibrancy and sustainability that they're looking for. As a matter of fact, in the United States alone, over $500 billion is spent trying to cope and deal with that issue. So here's what I'm all about. As opposed to outward techniques and tactics and strategies, trying to get into the heart and the mind of the worker, why not start at the heart of the worker. So really good and vibrant things begin to work itself out and can positively impact those within our sphere of influence. I call this inside-out leadership. And you know I achieve results with this philosophy and my inside-out leadership principles with a simple three-pronged approach. Personal leadership, which radiates to outward team leadership, which paves the way to a thriving organization all based on trust and built from the inside out. If you want to know more about this inside out approach, I've written three books. On the personal leadership front, Lead the Way. On the team leadership front, All In. And then most recently, about a thriving culture and influencing a culture. Move the needle. Go on Amazon, look up the books. Love to have those continue to encourage you and help you practically. Thank you so much. 2023 is all about, on the Inside Out Leadership Podcast, leaving a lasting legacy. You know, I've talked to so many leaders locally and globally, and the common bond that they all share, they want to leave a lasting legacy. Now, I know that so many things are built within that, of using themselves, the content, their heart, their life experiences, to give back to the next generation, to positively affect future generations. It's noble, it's admirable, and that's why I believe you're gonna thoroughly enjoy my first guest to kick off the new year. It's none other than my good friend, Steve Robertson, who happens to be the CEO at Bold Education, author, and global speaker who specializes in empowering the next generation. For more than a decade, Steve's led companies that have worked with over 200,000 kids around the globe. Just recently, he released a new book called Aliens Among Us, 10 Surprising Truths About Gen Z. In this book, he unpacks the perfect storm that has helped shape this generation, giving parents, coaches, and educators and business leaders alike the tools they need to connect with this disconnected generation. I've been greatly impacted by Steve, by his new book, and I believe with an open heart and open mind, you will as well. Enjoy my conversation with Steve. Steve Robertson, welcome to the Inside Out Leadership Podcast.
1: I've been waiting for this time, this opportunity for a long time, Rob. So excited to be with you today.
0: My goodness. You know, whether you and I are talking informally, formally, it never matters in this way. We are who we are. We take ourselves with us wherever we go. We're bound to have some fun. We're bound to bring some insight. Uh, I've been greatly inspired by not only the work that you do and have done for quite so many years, but who you are. And I figured an appropriate place to start our dialogue, our conversation, Steve. Um, I'm going to keep you on the edge of your seat a little bit. I want to make you sweat here in the inside out leadership space. But I figured to let people in a little bit more of who you are. Would you be willing and honor us by sharing maybe a brief story that would let our listeners in
1: to who you are just a little bit more? What do you say? I mean, for those who are listening, I'm already blushing. So thank you, Rob, for that. He is. He Uh, really is. No, (laughs) I'm blushing. Um, Thank you for having me. And, and, you know, uh, I'm an old fellow already Uh, externally. Internally, I feel like I'm 20, right? So- like a story that um, I, my wife and family moved to the United States about 25 years ago, and something that predates that um, is a friend of mine, actually a mentor of mine, once said to me, Steve, there are two things that I really want you to 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 take to heart. One, be on time. Value people. And one way you can do that is by being on time. And so I take that very seriously. But the other thing that he said to me is, you know, what you need to really process and, and embrace is be interested and be interesting. Mm. And so we spoke about that a lot. And so what, what has that done? And why am, I, why am I sharing that with you in that way is because I've really worked hard at being interested in anybody that comes in front in front of me um and being interesting part has truly led from that and so what i believe you know from a story about me is i'm a serial connector a serial networker my heart my passion is to meet people sincerely without an agenda well actually my agenda is i want to be interested and i want to be interesting and what i've realized is that when I'm interested in people, it helps me be interesting because I can retell some of the stories of their journey and their successes and their failures. And so, you know, 25 years in in the States, what brought me to the States was being connected, being networked, was being interested and learning as as we go. And and so I think that's something that I guess I would say drives me and is a story about me. I really work hard at connecting with people without an agenda. I'm not trying to sell something. I'm not trying to push any kind of agenda, but I am trying to be interested in who they are. And that never, never disappoints. Um, And when people, I guess, see that you sincerely are interested in them, um, I think there's a real win there. Mm -hmm. But it does feel being interesting because I just have so many people around the country and around the world that I've been lucky to connect with that have just added such flavor and color to my life with their stories. This is so good.
0: All right. So I got to follow up by asking you this. So interesting and interesting. So you'd mentioned something that jumped out to me, which is no real agenda. So many leaders, so many human beings for that matter, struggle because if they're really honest, there always seems to be, and again, in most people, most leaders, some hidden agenda. Like if someone does this for me, or if I do this for them, I'm hoping to get this out of it. It almost conditions placed on things. So, like, is there anything practical that you've learned through your experiences, through who you are, that has helped you, like, not have an agenda to just be who you are, enjoy who they are, have this mutual exchange of life without being like, so that dot, dot, dot? <laughs> like, is there anything that you do or that's helped you, you know, leading up to the present day that really helps you enter in and stay in that space?
1: So I I will confess that I haven't I am not batting a thousand on this right I have certainly struck out on this a number of times um, I there have been times where I've reconnected or connected with someone because of some uh, some motive but you know what what um what what has kept me focused in this space is sincerely a passion and a desire to to connect and get to know people. And I guess there's always an agenda. And so what my agenda has been is that there has almost never been a conversation with old or young that I haven't walked away from being better for that conversation, learning something that I can like, Oh, that's interesting. And so it's a softish agenda, but, um, but as, as I have practiced this over the years, my heart has always just been to, Sincerely come alongside and love in 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 a in a way get to know someone I, I love this movie Ender's game. I don't know if you've seen Ender's game. No. See, watch it, watch it. And I'm going to blow a little bit of it, but it's about this young guy. It's futuristic and he has to save the world. And he's playing a computer game by doing that, right? And so what he ends up doing, one line in the movie, and I'm, I'm going to butcher it, but it's, it's paraphrased. He basically comes back down to earth while he's fighting this, this war. He thinks it's a simulation. But what he realizes is that by the time you really know your enemy, you end up loving them, right? And so that's like a really big thing in this movie, is because now he knows this enemy and how to pay, potentially defeat them. But you know, now he's, he loves them because he knows them. And and sincerely, what I've I've, est- I've learned on the journey is as you truly get, are interested in people, you learn to love pieces of them. And and that's my motive because you know, there's so much a person in, in our world uh, on in our world on a day to day basis those moments of truly just loving people and knowing personally that there isn't really a hook, mm-hmm. um, is, is, is what drives, it It drives me. And, and what, what I want to, I guess, close with that thought is that it just takes a little bit of time for people to realize that you don't really have an agenda. And I think that just changes y- your relationships and relationships matter. And I think that's one of the things, the few things that really matter in our lives is relationships. So I don't know if I answered your question. Oh but my I- goodness.
0: Did you ever, you know, for me, what I hear you emphasizing, at least in my own heart and mind is remain a learner when you're with people. Like so many times I think that we, when we're with people, it's what we can always offer them, like getting our point across, getting our area of expertise across. But if we remain in a place of humility and, and remain in a place of, uh, I call it like a student's heart, always eager to learn something new then certainly we have a lot to give, but we have a lot to learn at the same time. And then there can truly be a two-way communication line. And isn't any healthy and vibrant conversation is always a two-way communication line. So thank you, Steve, for bringing that up. Okay, you know, I got to ask you this now, my brother. You've been influenced by so many people in your life. Okay, you have a lot of accolades. You have a lot of influence, a lot of impact with the next generation and people of all generations all around the globe. However, we know that you haven't done it alone. There's been people that have come alongside of you that have greatly influenced you. Who would you say is arguably one of the most influential uh, people that you know? Like wow. it has really left such a whether they're living today, whether they passed away, whether you know them up close and personal or a bit from afar. Who has influenced Steve Robertson the most?
1: Wow, Rob. Yeah, I, I'm. I'm going to. I'm going to disappoint you. Um, <laughs> I, I I have come to understand that I'm a really complicated person. <laughs> and, and good, I'm not and, alone. <laughs> but the reason I'm saying that is that, you know, if if I think very quickly, like who, I've just got all these thoughts and ideas flashing through my head now, you know these people the 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 truth is for me, I am so lucky that I have had so many people deposit something exciting and, and and riveting and real in my life that I have a list and there's so many that have deposited, but they're all deposited in different ways. Mm-hmm. That, that be interested and be uh, interesting is a deposit from one person that I just haven't spoken to in, in a long time, but yet it stays with me so much. I've had people that just deposit these little vignettes. Sometimes it has been somebody at a hotel where I'm checking in. And sometimes it's been a lifelong friend that continues to speak into my life. And sometimes it's been... Um Roger Fedra just in an interview, right? Because I'm a tennis fan. And, and and sometimes it's been the Eagles because I adore them and they're winning. And so, you know, I, I I I don't I can't think off the top of my head of one person, but I can promise you that I when I say this is real, I've had so many people drop these little vignettes of nuggets into my life that I live by, you know, and I, honestly from young to old. And um there's a kid, uh I was coaching, I'm mentoring him, um, younger guy. And he just asked me the one question. He really said this, is that really true in a conversation uh, where I was sharing an experience with him? That's what his words, is that really true, Steve? And I was like, (laughs) and and it it, it impacted me, right? It impacted me. And it was uh, so poor answer probably, but but the truth is I can't think of one person. I'm really blessed to have had a lot of people point to my life. Um, in in a whole lot of different ways and ongoing, because I've got a lot of work that needs to be done, right? So I'm fortunate that that's continuing to this day. (laughs) Would you know what that says to me about
0: you? Is you just haven't and don't continue to learn from maybe one individual, a few individuals that day in and day out, you're soaking in and being present with the one that's before you of You know, and and how much they have meant to you and how much they do mean to you. And not everyone does that, Steve. That's a perspective, a higher perspective that I uh, I want more of. And I know so many leaders around the world want more of, too. So thank you for that. All right. So here's a legacy question for you. Mm -hmm. I know you are a person, you're a man, you're a leader of legacy. You believe in it. What is your legacy or what you what do you want your legacy to be one day?
1: Sure. That's these are such big questions, right? Um it depends when you catch me, right? So after a tennis game, <laughs> um, a tennis match, I want my legacy to be that it that I beat that person and everybody must remember that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, after a really good mentoring session with, with somebody, I, I want them to know that, that I was part of, of getting them um, onto a path. And, you know, in, in, the team that I work with, but, um, but I think legacy sincerely is I, I where my heart is now and has been recently uh, when I say recently, I mean, in the last 10 years or so is uh, I want to, I want to, be remembered for. And I'm working towards being in the space where I help people get a different perspective on life as we know it, or the life that they're journeying on. And this is not out the old bringing the new, this is just a new lens to view things through. Because A change in perspective always precedes a change in behavior or attitude. And and I've seen that so much where there's some really, really good things going on in in my life, my business, my friend. And it's just that new perspective because it's hard to get a new perspective because um, not because we're set in our ways, but because things are working. And so if I have to think about my legacy, I, I would love someone to say of me that, there was a, a, a perspective that I helped shift in their lives positively, right? And so maybe that would be it. And I haven't really thought about it. And I'm a little embarrassed to even try to unpack that. But that's, I, I guess, where my heart would go.
0: No, I appreciate that. I really, really do. So I want to do a deeper dive. You have a new book out. When was it released uh, from the time of this recording? Was it about a month ago, a little over a month ago?
1: Yeah, just about a month ago. And it was it was by mistake, right? So we haven't even marketed it. It wasn't supposed to be released yet. Uh-huh. And um, so, yes, it's been out for about a month. And I'm so excited to say this. It's been uh, received already in more than 20 countries around the world. So I am <laughs> About that. Isn't that, that It's is
0: amazing. So so I'm intrigued in so many different ways, and I'm going to let everyone in on how much this book has already impacted me personally. I'm going to suspend that just for a moment or two. How did you come up with the brilliant name, Aliens Among Us, 10 Truths We Need to Know About Gen Z? Like, what? Aliens Among Us. When I share that with my kids, when I share that with other people, they're like, that is amazing. Yes. Uh, that's cool. awesome.
1: Um the way we uh, we landed on that and 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 Colleen, my beautiful wife of many years, sounds like I'm on wheel of fortune now. I have a beautiful <laughs> wife of right, but it's true in my case. Um, you know, one of the things that it, it's perspective-based, and in in this journey of of trying to catch people's attention, what I realized, one of the things that I had to navigate was every generation, and I'm not getting into that, I'm just using it to answer your question, every generation looks at the youngest generation and thinks they're teenagers going through a phase. And what does that say? That says this, it says that, and at some point in time, you will snap out of that phase and you'll become like us, which my parents certainly thought about me. And they're like, oh, he's going through another phase. I thought it was only supposed to be one, my son and all these phases. And eventually I snapped out of it and became more like them. And they're like, oh, there we are. We've been waiting for you, right? And the point is that the, this generation is not just teenagers going through a phase. They're fundamentally different. And so one of the things that was really percolating was how do I let people realize that they're not just teenagers going through a phase. And so that's where we came with this concept of, of of aliens, not trying to belittle them in any way, but to say if an alien sat down with me, I certainly wouldn't bring my history and say, do it like this. I would spend time. Thinking, Who are you? Do you eat mice? Do you eat humans? What do you eat? Do you <laughs> yeah. eat like, what do you like? Do you like things? And and so we would take the time to connect with them and get a sense of who they are. And that's really my heart is that we look at them like that so that our motive is to connect and understand them differently um, because they're not just teenagers going through a phase. So that's how we landed on that. And and I also wanted to kind of shock people, say, like, what, they're aliens living amongst us? Yes, they are. <laughs> you know, and I don't want to give the end of the book away, but we end up being the aliens, not them. There you go. No, that, that that's brilliant. And I
0: want to let everyone in on. I have read not the book in its entirety yet, but I've read enough. And Steve, I wanna I want to encourage you uh, in this way. I have been deeply, and I don't say this too often, <laughs> I have been deeply moved by the writing of your book. It's not only informative about the Gen Z. Uh, generation. But I find myself being so much more empathetic towards them. As I'm reading, I'm being certainly educated. But I've, I, I my heart goes out to them. Like my heart actually breaks for them. My heart's also happy for them, but it also breaks for them in ways that it's different for other generations. So thank you for that. Thank you for the gift that the book is. Thank you yeah. for the, the gift that you are in writing this uh, very timely uh, piece of work as well. So I want to I wanna highlight, you know, you share 10 truths in the book about Gen Z. I, gotta, I, I want us to do a, a slightly deeper dive with truth one, because it's extremely foundational and sets the tone for the rest of the book. All right. And truth one is Gen Z has been transformed by a perfect storm. Right. Tell us a little bit more about that. You know, we have a lot of listeners that are leaders of companies, but not only leaders of companies and organizations, whether it be non or for profit, some may be parents, Yeah. Gen Z's or even millennials. What do they need to know about
1: truth one? And that's my heart is to reach leaders, to reach and parents, because um the foundational thought is that their teenager is going through a phase. And in so doing, we're judging them and saying they're wrong. And um a really bad analogy, and I'm I'm confessing up front it's a bad analogy. Okay, because disclaimer, disclaimer, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> it falls apart a little bit, but it is this if we take a a can of blue paint and we pour in some yellow paint, we know that it'll turn green, right? And so when you look at this perfect storm, every generation for the sake of this analogy before Gen Z is blue. And this perfect storm is adding yellow into this can of blue paint and slowly but surely in the center, you see green emerging, right? Now, if you look at the timing of this, Gen Z have only ever been alive during this green period right and but slowly but surely the green is is now taking over the whole can of paint and everything is becoming green but it isn't green yet there's blue and then there's a blend of yellow and there's a blend of green and right and so this perfect storm when you look at it is these factors of this perfect storm technology we can spend we can spend an hour on each of them technology world news social media parenting and leadership. And those are the four components that really have made this generation green before the other generations, because we're all going to slowly start to be impacted by the effect of this and turn green. And so that's the reality of this perfect storm, the realization that it isn't an attitude. That's why they're green. It's the forces of, and these are significant forces that have come to play on their lives. And it's the only forces that have ever played on their life. So they aren't transitioning. They are while we are in this process of transitioning. And so we can certainly dive into each of those because they're significant. I mean, you think world news and social media are similar. No, no, they're not at all. And they are significant. Do you think parenting and leadership? Well, yeah, of course, but there's so much more to each one of these things. And so as, as a quick cliff note, Understanding that they're not different because they're trying to be different, but because they're actually wired differently really helps as a foundation to lead them better, to understand them better, and certainly to parent them better. And again, you know, the thought is, well, we're trying to fix them. No, no, no. We want to be future-proof as parents, as businesses. 30% of the world – no, no, sorry, I've I've, I've misspoken. 52% of the world population is under the age of 30 so they're already green okay now gen z isn't all 30 they're a little younger 27 but think about it 52 percent of the world is already green they came out of the box green right so they're waiting for us to catch up and they're not actually going to wait for us to catch up so we're in that transitional process but it's really important to get as a parent and as a leader because it does challenge some of the mindsets that you bring to leading and our intent is to lead well so our businesses do well, lead well so our employees do well and grow and upskill, lead well so our kids as parents do well. But I think it's a really important key because if you don't have that key, the only key that we have is that they're teenagers going through a phase which is not true.
0: Mm. brilliantly stated. You know, two things that jumped out to me about Truth One as well, and I didn't know if you had any further insight or you wanna dig a little deeper on either one or both of these areas. Is empathy fatigue of the Gen Z uh, generation? I mean, I guess Gen Z is what nineteen ninety six through two thousand ten. Is that a pro- about right?
1: Yeah, about ninety five to twenty uh, ten, about twelve to twenty seven. But it depends where you ask.
0: So yeah, okay. depends where you are. So what you brought out in the book, at least for me, was you know, with all the TV and all the negativity and drama, those that generation just grows up. They don't know anything different um then they you know have the news on their on their feed on their phone you know all the time and all the negativity and they're hit with so much stimulation all these different things and so much of it and what the world's putting out is negative because people are into drama and 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 drama sells unfortunately as we know but that pays a toll on the gen z um you know and so in the midst of that i think you mentioned it's empathy fatigue and and uh, and that can you know, really create them being tired. And also in the midst of all this stimulation, the second thing that jumped out to me was uh, if you look at even boredom due to overstimulation, you know, but again, all these triggers, visual stimulation, all the different things happen all the time. And then all of a sudden, like two of my kids fit with under under that, right? I I have a 14 year old and a 12 year old. And all of a sudden they have a moment to breathe and they get bored really, really quick. And it's like, what? where I didn't have that problem because I was used to not being overstimulated in the same way they are. So I'm even trying to better relate to them. So any further insight as it relates to either empathy
1: fatigue yeah, or boredom due to overstimulation? Yeah. Those are, those are two deep things. Right. And, and so what, what, what I found in the five years it took to bring this thing to print and, and already there's other, you know, there's so much I couldn't say, right. Is that, um, it's a complicated story, and this is just a component of it. And what you see is this concept of world news and, and mean world syndrome, which was a, a cognitive bias that was studied in the 70s, in the 1970s, in the 1900s. Can you imagine you know, how old that makes you feel? <laughs> I was born in the 1900s. My kids are like, what? So <laughs> in the 70s, and at the premise of just that irrational fear of the world around you Um, And that's created by this constant barrage of news. You fast forward to today and as you said, plugged in 24 seven. And so what ends up happening really, really quickly is you see so many tragedies that at some point it brings you to tears and then, Two days, three days later, more and more and more tragedies, you don't cry anymore. Now, I'm being silly by saying this, but, you know, if you're a mass murderer, the first time you kill somebody, I'm sure it's like crazy. But the second time, oh, it's not so bad. Terrible analogy. I, I'm not a mass murderer. I don't know. We get know. your
0: point. I get your point. Well, you know, well,
1: well stated. And so what you see is that when you've seen so many uh, people getting shot, it's just a case of like, oh, you know, OK, that's terrible. Um and that, that impacts our life in a, in a, in a massive way. These, these four broad concepts, which I didn't unpack in the book, but it's, it's kind of what's, what's happened in terms of how we, we've changed. We, we're, we're navigating a journey where we value access over ownership right? So it's that that rental space concept, but that that means a lot, right? So it means I can subscribe to something and then check out when I don't want it anymore, right? And so that that frames your thinking, it frames your heart, your attitude to work, your attitude to relationships, attitude to everything. You know, I'll buy it when I need it, when I don't want it, I'll turn it off. And then we have this awareness over action, just starting to talk a little bit more about that. So we're aware of so much, but we just don't have the same amount of action, to do something about it, right? And then we've got this fear of faith, which is really what we're talking about. And this is not a spiritual component or or religious component. This is fear of the world, fear of leaders, fear of all those kinds of things, versus faith in the system, faith in your leaders, faith in your parents, and you know, if you have a higher being. And then it's this information over understanding. And so those things are valued where we've got access to all this information, but they just don't know what to do with it. Now, the reason I'm unpacking that really quickly is that when you look at um just this this empathy muscle has been flexed so much that it is really hard to have empathy plus unfortunately one of the things call it a giant that we're navigating is that we're really celebrating focusing on self right and there's a degree of self that is really valuable to focus on but there's a point where I think it's unhealthy where it's only me or me first regardless of anything else and so when you look at that empathy and that focus on self which truthfully COVID has amplified you look at it when you drive you look at it in the post office when you're standing in a line it just it's so abundant Um, and so that, that that's tough and it's really important to understand that because it takes a time in a relationship to strengthen that muscle a little bit in terms of a relationship so that's a really good reason to, to have that conversation. And then when you look at the boredom, boredom component, you look at this phone, you know, the, the feed that is here available 24 seven, and you look at the stickiness of it and how compelling and interesting it is. And you look at the mundane life at home. When my son comes home, it's like, Oh, what's going on here? Nothing. I'd rather do that. The same thing is, as you know, that empathy muscle, you've got your dopamine release, which is really good, by the way, we've been built in such a way that we need to do hard things because it releases dopamine in us, and right. that you know that that ability to strive and challenge. well, you know that the the fully twenty four connected gives us that dopamine release all the time. And so what ends up happening is that those, those dopamine receptors have just been flooded. And so they're just not sensitive anymore. And so what you've got is you've got this, I'm never bored, but truthfully, I'm never doing anything that's hard. I'm just being flooded with, with, with dopamine stimulators. Right. But what happens there is that you become very quickly um, bored or dissatisfied with life because we are built to strive to grow, to be challenged and do hard things. And so that replacement doesn't work. And the other thing that we've got to know about boredom is boredom is one of the most creative places you can be because it's when you're in that space of boredom where you can start to really, really be creative. And so those two things that you brought up are really real and important. And so as a parent or a leader or a mentor, helping someone navigate that and understand that, helping them unplug unplug i'm not advocating unplugging even though i would love that but it's not the reality of our world um understanding what you're giving up and understanding what journey you're on in that space as a mentor or leader is just a really important part of helping people figure out their true identity so that they can be not only happy but be productive and that you can lead them well
0: so i want to share with everyone the the real reason why i had steve being interviewed today was, uh, for selfish reasons, it's like a coaching time for me. That's why as we move into truth number three, we just, we spend a lot of time in that truth number one because it is so foundational, Steve. So thank you for taking us into that with some things that uh, really leaped off the page for me and I wanted to highlight to those listening. But truth number three, um, I'm just gonna state it here. Gen Z is energized by the power of technology but suffers from tech fatigue. And I'm going to quote you. And then again, this is this is me. This is a coaching talk for Rob now. And if others can listen in and also be impacted by it, which I'm sure will happen, uh, we're all better for it. So you say in the book, on the home front, parents should understand that helping children unplug is key. Now, we understand in the real world what you just brought up. Not saying completely all the time. That's just not real. It's not how... But you go on to say the most effective way for parents to navigate this is for themselves to become the most compelling content in the lives of their children. Whoa. It's not about banning the screen, but about being more interesting, engaging, and exciting than the screen. Could you unpack that a little bit more for... (sighs) Me and for all the other parents out there, or aspiring parents out there, or, or make this applicable too to even business leaders. But man, you had me at hello—the Jerry Maguire line on this one, Steve. Well, first of all, let me say, whoever
1: wrote that—that's gold. I—that I, is gold right there. I, I need to read that book. So that's that's genius. The the world we live in today um, is an Instagram world. It's a, it's a world where everything is amplified and spectacular on a level that is is incredible, right? And so what comes with that is challenging. Um, I often read these articles but by, about these huge CEOs of Apple and, you know, all the big guys and like, well, my children won't be on social. I know how bad it is. Um, and while that is completely true, um, you're divorced from the world that you live in and that your children are navigating. And so let me first say this, millennials, we love them. They're like a uh, Windows Vista. Everybody wished it didn't happen, but it did. And so here they are, that's a joke. That's just a joke. Oh, God, I love it. <laughs> okay, so, so millennials are here, right? And so millennials, um, they had the internet and smartphones really late in their journey. And so as a result, what happened with them was that it was a toy. Right? Lots of selfies, and we're discovering this new technology. Gen Z arrive, and it's there already. The toy phase is past, and now what we have is a tool. This tool is what they use to live life on a daily basis. And the truth is, every one of us does too. Right? So, the premise of plug- unplugging um, is just not real, right? It's just not real. We use it as a tool, and you can't live without that tool because it's so integral in terms of a a part of our lives but what we have to understand is that we have been as leaders and as parents we've been missing in action for more than a generation we've been allowing our children to free range and grow up how they want so we've had this uh, and we still have you know these parents that have been really tough on their kids um, you ask a child, what would you like to eat? I don't know, mom, what would I like to eat? You know, And then that, there's no backbone because the parent been so dominant. But then the flip side of that is that you have a child who rebels because they can't do that. And so now you come out of the millennials that have gone through some of that and they're like, well, I just want my child to be what they want to be. There's good in both of those, right? And so so where, where, does that fall? where does that fall in the middle? So what we have here is we've got these leaders and parents that have been missing. And so when you look at any child or truthfully, um, even an employee arriving in the workplace and you've got this kind of sink or swim, hands off mentality, figure it out best as you can. Um, what are you competing with as a parent? You're competing with a world of compelling Interesting, exciting information. I sit in the airport and before I know it, I've scrolled for an hour watching arbitrary videos that I haven't paid attention to for one second. But yet, you know, why? Because it is so compelling and it's certainly more interesting. And this is a big statement than watching people walk up and down in the airport, because that in itself can be the most fascinating and interesting thing you can imagine. <laughs> Watching people walk up and down and judging them as they walk around. Don't we all do that? Like, <laughs> oh, That's what he's wearing. Those two are a couple, I could whatever, whatever we think, right? And so when you want to be meaningful and deliberately meaningful in someone's life, if you want to come alongside them, you have to understand what place you are vying to take. Because this is not just there's room, add to it. There is no room. Our lives are full. So we have to be substituted in. And what is going to come out of somebody's life to allow you in, to give you that permission? And so in so doing, you have to understand we live in a world that is glamorous and exciting. And you have to take the challenge to become that in your child's life for a moment so that you can get an opportunity, permission, to be in their lives permission is required to be in anybody's life even your five-year-old and so winning them over by being that compelling content which means in many cases doing something different engaging differently changing the role that you typically play in the house because that role is mundane and allows them to 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 plug in right and so you've got to be deliberate and it takes really deliberate thought time effort and energy but honestly Any good parenting and leadership does. It takes, requires deliberate effort. That's where you see the results. It's like culture in a business. If you want a good culture, it needs deliberate cultivation. If you don't do that, a bad culture will grow on its own. And that's the same thing about being plugged in. Being plugged in will grow on its own if you leave it. But if you want to change that, it takes some deliberate steps.
0: I was talking to my wife about this very thing. Because you just have a way about you, Steve, that brings it out within couples and family dynamics. I love it. And I said to Karen, that's her name, I said, we do a pretty good job creating experiences. Talking about be more compelling than what the kids are observing or experiencing on their phones and on their computers. But I want to I double down on that one. I think there's ways as a parent and as a business leader to where I can create And develop even better experiences, not just information where it goes from mind to mind, but I want to be living and breathing um, example of, you know, who I am, certainly the content on my heart. So when I'm with my kids or I'm with my strategic partners, I'm with my team members that I'm burning with so much passion and so much enthusiasm for people and for life that they're bound to catch on fire. Being on. around me. So Come that's on. what you're doing. You're putting more fuel in the fire. So thank you, Steve. Okay. As we Let me move. Give along,
1: example, Rob, sorry to interrupt you. Yeah, no, no, please. It just happened. A friend of mine is asking me that same question or similar question around his kids. And so we're just chit-chatting a little bit, and he's got two youngish kids. Um, and he's telling me what they're going to be doing over Christmas. And, you know, they go out and they do this, this thing where they feed people, and then they go out for takeaways and, you know, whatever the case, and and we're talking about the skill sets, the muscles that they really want to develop this invisible curriculum. And so we come up with this idea is like, well, what happens if you take the money that you were going to spend on takeouts and you put them in two envelopes Hmm. and you hide them somewhere in the house? Okay. Hmm. And you say to your kids, here's the deal. Okay. Okay. We're going out for takeouts tonight, but you have an hour and a half to find your money. Now, perseverance, problem solving, two of the muscles that need ready to be developed amongst gratitude and communication, um, go and find it. Mm-hmm. And so as we're busy unpacking this conversation, we go to the next level. Like, okay, so now they find it or one of them finds it. Does the other one help the other one? right? Or what happens if they don't find it? And I'm like, you know what? They're not going to die if they don't have dinner tonight, right? But what a crazy cool lesson to teach them. And so it's the simple little things that don't need to be massive that you can do that can maybe make it compelling because I can guarantee you this. One finds it, the other one doesn't. The one eats, the other one doesn't. And I'm not advocating that. I'm just playing out a scenario, right? Of course not, Steve. That is a story that will be told at many dinner tables, which is compelling. Wonderful. Wonderful.
0: Leaders, let's be creative in creating experiences that last. All right. So we've talked about two of your truths. But before we land this plane, Steve, I got one more question. I got a couple more as we land the plane. But one more question as it relates to a lot of what we've talked about. We've geared our attention to to in this conversation of how we can better connect to the Gen Z, understand who they are more, how they operate, how they function so we can be more proactive in going to them, understanding, engaging with them, connecting with them, et cetera. What we haven't talked about as much, how do we help them better understand us? How do we, if we take a step towards them, and embrace, you know, genuine connection is we want them to take a step towards us as well, right? Anything that we can do as parents and leaders that would foster that, that would inspire that, because if, if I'm always the one or we're always the one reaching out and embracing and trying to understand, but maybe they aren't chomping at the bit in which to do so. Is there anything that we can do that will help them better receive who we are?
1: That's a beautiful, beautiful and and huge question. And so um, let me me do my best in in giving you my, my, my thoughts on that. First of all, please recognize that as we live in an Instagram world, our currency of the day is influence. That is the currency that we trade with, right? And so what we have is a generation that are mentored almost entirely by their peers, which means the older generations have to be really special to be allowed into Gen Z's life. Not only as a teenager, like, what do you want, dad, beat it, like I'm hanging out with my friends, and you don't have to be a bad kid to be that. that's just being a teenager, right? And that that space that you want to be. But here's what what we have to see. We have to see that as influence is key. You have to bring influence to a conversation in order to be allowed into that conversation. And so what does influence look like? What does it result in? It results in permission. And once you have permission... You can speak into someone's life. So what you have to have and where this becomes reciprocal, because to a point it's not reciprocal, it's give, give, give. Think about your child when they're born. Feed me, feed me, feed me. Pay for this, pay for this, pay for this. And at some point it becomes reciprocal or maybe never, but then they leave home at some point, right? That's exactly like any leadership journey. I want, I want, I want. And at some point, there's a reciprocal component in. But in order to get to that, what we have to see is this. We have to see that if you are not in the business of upskilling your child, your employees, that conversation will never happen. So the what's in it for me kind of mindset, which sounds really selfish though I'm saying it, but the truth is if you are not upskilling your child in some form or fashion all the time, bite-sized experiences that upskill them, that grow them, specifically easy way to do it is in those four four soft skills that I've already mentioned, Um, but there's many other ways. If you do that the game changes because as soon as you realize that that person has something of value to give you, you now give them permission to speak into your life. And at that point, it becomes reciprocal and works both ways. You see, I have to acknowledge that the diet I'm about to go on is in fact going to help me lose weight before I commit to that diet. Mm -hmm. Right. And so in such a say in the same way, Gen Z has to recognize that you bring value and that your motive is pure, because there's been a lot of motives that we could that they've seen, right, before they allow you in. And once they do, what you start to get access to is the most creative innovative generation we have ever seen. You also get access to the generation that is determining what is bought and sold, how it's bought and sold, and even what is valued tomorrow. And if you want to be a business leader and parent tomorrow, and you don't know that, well you probably will be the blockbuster and not the Netflix.
0: We end, believe it or not, we end where we started in as you, as we spend time with Gen Z add value to who they are, what they wanna do, with no strings attached. See, and what you said earlier on, the very beginning of our conversation, you love to have no agenda other than getting to know, connecting with, and learning from. And wow, so I just wanna say, Steve, This has been a very powerful time for me personally. Um, The moment that, you know, I reached out and said, hey, would you be willing? Are you able to come on the Inside Out Leadership Podcast? I was excited like I was a little kid because you become a good friend. There's so much I've learned from you, but there continues to be so much I learn from you as well. And then I started to... Uh, started to do a deeper dive on your book. And I knew that we would have a conversation about it where I could learn even that much more. So I just say, thank you for the extraordinary work that you are doing. But thank you more importantly for who you are because you rub off off on me, brother, in ways that you don't even know. And (laughs) I know not only in this particular conversation, I'm benefiting, but all the listeners and those viewing as well are benefiting Too. So for that, I say thank you.
1: Thank you. Thank you. Yeah.
0: All right. Where can we find out more about Steve Robertson? You got to let people in. Where can we buy the book? Is there a website? Is it, I mean, I'm sure it's available in most stores all around the world. So let us in on where we can buy the book and where we can find you.
1: Thank you, Rob. I I, uh, probably Amazon is the best place to find the book. Um, Turns out that there's a number of books that are in the Aliens Among Us space. So you probably need to say Aliens Among Us Gen Z to find it. Um, If you want to find out more, there's a link also on my website, Stephen with an S-T-E-V-E-N with a J, Stephen J. Robertson. Stephen Robertson wasn't available. I didn't mean to put my middle name in there. Okay. Stephen J My mother always calls me Stephen John when I'm in trouble, as you can imagine. Um, and there's some more information there that I, I'm I'm thrilled. I would be thrilled if anybody felt like they wouldn't have wanted to read it. My heart is to share. Um, and I'm so excited that you've been so open to just even listening to a different perspective, because I think that's where it begins.
0: Yeah, I can't imagine you, uh, your mom, needing to say your full name too often when you were younger, Steve. <laughs> that's all I can. I can't picture you being in trouble more than a few times, but maybe oh. that's a topic of another conversation and another interview for us. Indeed. Do you know what we're going to call it? Stephen Robb's Confessions. <laughs> <laughs> the phases that we went through in life. There's many there we go. <laughs> to reach all generations of all times. No. Um, thank you so much, my friend. I look forward to the next conversation and, uh, That's all for now. Until next time, y'all, for Steve Robertson, I'm Rob Holman. We hope you enjoyed our time with us. Bye.